You're listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. Hey, it's great to be with you. My name is Ivan Veldhuizen, and uh, Dr. John Baxter and I will be sharing most of the Sundays. So it's an honor to be with you today and to just share a few things from the Word with you as well. I'm going to introduce today my wife, Susan. She will be here more probably, but Susan, why don't you stand up so people can see how beautiful you are. (laughs) And then our son, Eric, happens to be here today too, so you can wave, Eric, and then... We also have a, a family from one of our families from our home church here, so you guys just wave. So they're joining us today as well. So, um, hey, I, um, I work at Converge. Just a little bit about me. Um, I, I lead the International Ministries Department for Converge, which is a network of about 15 or 1,600 churches across the U.S. Susan and I lead the International Ministries Department. We have 176 missionaries around the world, among the least reached peoples of the world. We have 61 in the process of being deployed, and that's what I do. In my, in, in my spare time and on weekends for fun, we do, we do church. We do home church, and, um, and then uh, we do that during the week, of course, too, because that's what it's about. But... Um, I'm going to just share a few things with you on the continuing theme that John started last week, our true home, living in the household of God. We're going to look at 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17. 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. I'm going to just read those verses here quickly. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a wonderful little passage, and we're going to just hit a couple of high points today. But here's what I want us to, to understand first, is that Paul, this great apostle, and he's been doing this for a number of years when he wrote this this uh, letter to his disciple Timothy, he is downloading wisdom into uh, Timothy's life to know how to lead the church well. And um, in this particular section of Scripture, Paul is sharing something very personal about himself. He's he's telling us um, what fuels him and what has qualified him to be who he is what has qualified him to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, in our world today, there are a lot of reasons that we may think people are qualified for service. Uh, There are a lot of reasons we think people are qualified as leaders. Uh, I jotted down a little list. Sometimes uh, we think a leader needs to be smart or savvy. That's what qualifies them. Or accomplished, you know, have a good record, some results. Uh, Maybe a good communicator, depends on their role. Uh, 
being winsome or having the gift of woo oftentimes is really good for a good leader. Someone who is educated, experienced, confident, clever, and the list goes on and on. So we have all of these things that even in the Christian community and our Christian culture, we value so much that we think, what does it take to be a leader? What does it take to be someone who really is used greatly of God? And I'm just telling you that as we look a little closer at this passage today, it's going to blow all this stuff away. It doesn't mean all those things I just mentioned aren't important, but that is never what qualifies us for service with God. Now, I want you to look at verse 12 because it starts very simply. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, that's a little phrase that would be so easy to miss, but I want you to know that as we look at the rest of this passage, Paul is going to express why he's he's so thankful. And here's, here's the interesting thing that we find in this passage and throughout Paul's writings is that gratitude fuels Paul, okay? Gratitude fuels Paul. He begins to Timothy when he starts talking about himself for a moment. He says, I am so thankful. I want you to hear and feel what he is saying here. I am so thankful because Jesus Christ has chosen me to do this work. I am so grateful. And in that statement, Paul is saying, I am not worthy. I have not earned this. I should not be able to do this. But Christ has done something for me that fuels the gratitude in me and moves me to action for God's glory. So in our Christian lives, we can live our Christian life out of drudgery sometimes or out of duty But when we are filled with gratitude, all of a sudden, we serve Christ out of delight. So a number of years ago, when Susan and I, quite a number of years ago, when we were early on in our years of ministry, we lived in northern Minnesota, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, one morning, the telephone rang, okay? No cell phones back then, by the way. The telephone rang, uh, we answered it, and it was a guy by the name of Richard. I'd never met Richard, but Richard was drunk in a town about 10 miles away, and he went into the phone book and looked for a pastor somewhere, and so he called me up at 2 in the morning. Lucky me, right? Lucky me. So I said to Susan, I, don't, I just feel like I should go. I just feel like I should go and meet this guy. I think he's reaching out. So... Um, I said, I said to Susan, you just pray. I don't know when I'll be back, but I'm going to go find the guy. He told me where he was at a phone booth on such a street in the little town of Pine River, Minnesota. And so I took off, 2, 2 a.m., and I found Richard. And he was totally intoxicated. I had to help him into my car, and uh, somehow he directed me towards his little cabin. It was a 20-foot by 20-foot cabin, and this was his home. And I helped him get inside, and I sat in his cabin with him all night long. Uh, We didn't have real meaningful conversation until about 6 a.m. in the morning, okay? When uh, some of the alcohol began to wear off, we started to have some really good conversations. And, And that morning, Richard gave his life to Jesus Christ in his little cabin. Now, here's what I want to get to, though. This guy became so grateful for how his life 
began to change now that he knew Christ, that someone actually reached out and cared for him enough to give him the greatest gift in the world, and he was so grateful. He had one, he had one item that he owned besides this little 20-foot by 20-foot cabin. This guy was so poor, but he owned a fishing boat, a little fishing boat, a 14-foot uh, fishing, a Lumacraft or something, and so he was determined he wanted to give me that boat. I said, I can't take that boat, Richard. This is, you need this boat. He says, no, you need it. He said, I need to give it to you. I want to give it to you. Look what you have done for me. I want you to have it. Now, here's, here's the point I want to make. What, what made him be so generous that he would give me his boat? And I finally took it. <laughs> okay, I finally, he would not say no. He would not take no for an answer. I finally took his boat. It was gratitude. And when we are filled with gratitude, there is a moving, motivating power in us that moves us to action. So the question I ask for you this this afternoon is, are you similar to Paul in that gratitude for what Christ has done in you is in you and filling you and moving you and motivating you because it is and was for Paul the key for him being who he was. It permeated his character in every corner and every fiber of his being. Gratitude. So Paul says, I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because, now listen close, because what Paul is going to do next is give us the two ways, the two the two reasons he is qualified for this, this great role of being an apostle that he is in, being the sent one, serving God this way. He's going to give us the two reasons he's qualified, okay? He says, because he judged me faithful. Did you get that? Because God judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. And then he goes on to say, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. Those are not nice things. If somebody told you you were that to your face, I think you'd be quite offended. Paul is saying that about himself. That's who he was. And he said, there is no reason in the world that I should be able to serve Christ the way I am serving him, especially considering my past. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with a faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Okay, here's the first reason that Paul was qualified for ministry, because God counted him or pronounced him as being faithful. God credited him to being faithful. Now, there are two facets to this. Uh, first of all, it says in, this, in the text that um, he judged me faithful. That word in the original Greek language uh, most often means a pronouncement by some leader. Okay, it's a pronouncement. So in other words, Christ looks at the Apostle Paul, though unworthy he was, and pronounces him faithful. He says, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, I'm pronouncing you faithful. You are to serve me. Okay. There's another piece to being faithful. In that Greek word, it means to be trustworthy. So there are two pieces coming together 
If Paul was still a wretched human being, persecuting the church and not following hard after Jesus, Jesus would not have pronounced him faithful or trustworthy. And yet at the same time, Paul never earned it because we could never earn it. It is a pronouncement by Christ, his leader, that says he is faithful. But here's the point, is that Paul, Paul knows that he is never worthy to be considered by the Holy One as being faithful. And God has pronounced him that way. God sees him that way. And that's the number one reason that he is considered worthy of being this servant of Christ. Okay? Now, we don't hear about that too much in our leadership circles today, about this incredibly important characteristic of being faithful and of the undeserved gift we have from Christ of being considered as faithful because of what he has done for us, especially in light of who we are. Now, in a way, well, let's, let's look next at verses 15 and 16 uh, real quickly. Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We'd all agree with that. Paul says, of whom I am foremost. He says, I'm the champion sinner. That's really what he's saying. I'm the champion sinner. And he really believed that. This is in the scripture. This is Holy Spirit inspired. Paul really believed he was the worst sinner of all sinners. And when you look at what he did, you can kind of understand that, that, that he might feel that way. He said, this is, I'm the foremost of sinners. Verse 16, but I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, as the worst of all sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Now, let me just simplify this for us. Here's what Paul is saying. I was so messed up, but Christ changed me and is using me anyway so that no one can say, Jesus, I'm too messed up for you to to transform and to save. No one is too messed up. There is no one that you have ever met, there is no one in this room who is too messed up, who has too ugly a past for Christ to use greatly. No one. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Christ saved me so that I would be, for one, an example to everyone else that Christ can take anyone and use them in phenomenal ways. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. So why was he qualified? Because he was pronounced faithful. It's his faithfulness pronounced by Christ. And number two, his messiness. You don't hear that in leadership circles too much either, do you? And here's here's the thing about Paul. He embraced it. He knew who he really was, and he let that fuel his drive towards Christ and his service for Christ. Now, real quickly, I want us to look at... Uh, God's transforming characteristic. We saw Paul's permeating characteristic of gratitude. Why Paul was qualified, his faithfulness and his messiness. But then I want you to see God's transforming characteristic, and that is this trait of mercy. Because if you look at verses 13 and 16, there are almost identical statements, 
where Paul says, after he talks about being judged faithful, he said, but I received mercy. But I had received mercy because I acted in unbelief. And if you look at verse 16, after he talks about being the worst of sinners, he says, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me as a foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Okay? So, Here's the piece that makes all of this work. It's the mercy of God. And that, that word, by the way, in the Greek literally means to be compassionate. Now, I want you to think about compassion. Compassion is not just a feeling. By the way, that word sometimes can mean pity. It means to pity or have compassion for someone. But it's more than that because it wasn't just that Christ felt compassionate or some pity towards Paul. This kind of compassion is the kind of compassion that moves you to action. In other words, when you are gripped by this kind of compassion that Christ has here, this mercy, it is harder, get this now, it is harder to not do something for someone than to do it. Let me say it again. When you are gripped with this kind of compassion, it is harder to not do something for someone than to actually do something for them. You are moved to action by this compassion. And this is a kind of compassion Paul knows Christ had on him. And this is the kind of compassion that Christ has on every single one of us. He is on your side. He does want to take you and use you for his service And this is not something you earn, as Paul clearly describes to us today. It is something that Christ confers upon us. Faithfulness and messiness. That he will take our messes and turn them into something beautiful for his glory. I just want you to know that this is a message that everyone needs to hear this grace of God, this undeserved favor and kindness of God. And as you as a church think about becoming a church, I'll I'll just say it this way, dispersed, disciple-making communities out in different neighborhoods, eventually, I just want you to know everybody needs to know that not everything that's good in life is earned And a relationship with the living God is something that can only be received. And the world is hungry for that. So with that, I'm going to segue into our missionaries, the Coopers. Uh, Mitchell and Emily Cooper are missionaries in Kuwait. And uh, so welcome them because they need to hear about Jesus in Kuwait too, right? (laughs) Hey, how... How's it going? Is this on? It's good to see you all. It's been a while. I mean, <laughs> we've been overseas for a good bit. Uh, just so you know, my name is Mitchell Cooper. It's my wife, Emily. Say hi. And we have four, ki- <laughs> four kids, uh, Lydia, Ezra, Isaiah, and Silas. They're out with friends right now because they were itching just crazy uh, to be with their friends and to see them. We actually got into Orlando last night around midnight uh, after... 30, 30 plus hours of travel time. So uh, we, I, I don't know about you, but I am caffeinated. 
and we are good to go. Uh, so I, I just wanted to make sure that I talked about mo the most important things, and we'll get to the most, most important things, uh, but I really wanted to, to let you know just how uh, Emily and the kids are doing. So the last few months have been interesting in our lives. We have actually gotten to go to the emergency room twice in the last few months and had an unexpected but not necessarily emergency surgery not that long ago, uh, and, but the Lord has been faithful. So uh, things have been interesting. Things have been stressful. Uh, Emily and the kids have been working through homeschool for the last year. Uh, and in front of you, I want to make sure that you know she has been knocking it out of the park. She kind of doesn't believe me when I say this, but I've watched day in and day out throughout the entire year. And when we got to Kuwait, we assumed that year one for our kids' education just very well could be a wash, and that's okay. But our kids got through all of... Uh, Silas got through all of first grade. Isaiah got through all of third grade. Ezra got through all of grade. And Lydia got through all of seventh grade with one teacher every day. I, I mean, I helped a little bit. Um, so while my wife can necessarily see the things that didn't happen, a lot has happened. And our kids have grown and learned. Uh, and my wife has been super intentional about making sure they have developed really good, solid friendships with the folks in our church, with folks that they meet out and about. Our kids are great. They love to be around people. Um, and it helps to be intentional in those things. So I just want to make sure you know that the kids are doing really well. Emily is doing really well. So one of the things we also did in our church, I know, we got in at 1 o'clock last night, 11 o'clock. We're figuring this out as we go. It's great. Um, so one of the things that people at our church were just pining for and asking for were a, a youth group. Uh, and so we said, absolutely. We'll invite students into our house Thursday night. Um, and it has grown from about... Um, four or five to 16, 20 regularly on a Thursday evening. Let me share a passage of scripture real, real fast that actually uh, has been one of the centering passages for our church. Um, Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Um, our church was a dream, was a thought, was just barely a whisper. Uh, a couple of years ago, October of 2019, uh, we were able to visit and see what could be and what might happen. Um, COVID hit, things got a little crazy. We're having to just wait a lot more than we ever expected. Many of you have stories of waiting and trying to wonder what pivoting would look like, what decisions you had to make, all of those things. And so this season of our life, Mitchell and Emily are waiting to go to Kuwait, waiting, 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 waiting. Uh, and then Kuwait kind of opens up, kind of doesn't open up. Our teammates, Blaine and Kelly Boyd, are able to kind of slip in right there um, and hold and wait and think because nobody in Kuwait's able to go out. They're all just kind of waiting still until about November of 2021. And a group of about 25 to 30 folks are able to gather together after years of praying and hoping and covenant together uh, among themselves before the Lord to say, we are a body of believers who long to grow in the word, to be gospel-centered, to be generous in all that we do, to care for one another well. And so Redeemer Fellowship of Kuwait in earnest started November of 2021. 
and mental and Emily are still here. I still had not been given any kind of official way to get into the country, no visas. And we're sitting here going, okay, Lord, you're starting this thing. It is going, it is happening. It is beautiful and it is wonderful. And why are we here? We want to be there. Like, this is not fun. Um, I remember actually I was thumbing through my journal not that long ago, January of 2022. Uh, I literally wrote in my journal, man, this is dead in the water. There's no way we can do this. It's going to go. It's going to be fine. But this is just probably not part of our story. A few months later, things started to happen. The prayers that we had been praying for so long had been answered in a way that we had been hoping for. So fast forward to May of 2022. May 4th. I was wearing my Star Wars t-shirt that day, packing, ready to go. Um, got all dressed up, went to the airport and flew to Kuwait to be a part of the work that we felt and knew that God had called us to. And the last 13, 14 months have been a trip. Let me tell you, Emily and the kids held off for a couple of months, finished off school, sell the house, all that stuff. She's working like crazy to close things off while I am in Kuwait now among a body of believers that have about 40 members now and have about 80 folks on any given Friday morning because Friday is when you gather together. And I'm working like crazy to meet as many people as possible, to see as many folks, to do as much as I can, youth group, music, all this stuff. And finally, two months later, two months later, without your wife and kids, them without dad, we're able to July 4th, if I remember correctly, be reunited. And it was beautiful and it was wonderful. And then the hard work started because you have four kids and now they're 7, 9, 11, or 7, 9, 10, 12, 7, no. Coffee is not helping me right now. 7, 9, 11, and 12. Then they were roughly a year younger. And we begin the process of living life in a vastly different culture with them. Kuwait is not like the United States. For instance, my daughter loves wearing shorts. It's Florida. She's only ever really known Florida. She can't wear shorts in Kuwait. It's a conservative Muslim country. During the month of Ramadan, which finished a couple of months ago, you literally cannot carry a water bottle outside, much less any kind of food. You can't go to a restaurant because it's not open. Okay, well, how do you describe that to your kids? How do you work around that? How do you tell them why these folks do this as a religious right? Why they do that? And what this means for us, what this means for our church. So we're going through all this. While our kids are transitioning from being public school kids with classrooms of 25, whatever, all around kids all the time. Now they're homeschool kids with their brothers and sister. They've been in the United States for all their lives. Now they're in Kuwait. So that's one massive shift, one massive change. And yet the Lord has been faithful. They have grown in their relationships. They have grown in their understanding of the world and cultures and the way God has been glorified in those things. And it's been beautiful to watch. And it has been so hard at the same time. It's not easy because life isn't easy. You guys know that. And yet going back now to July, August, youth group gets started. Things at the church are just really taking off. In September, October, the church is seeing good bit of growth. We're meeting at a hotel and we're growing to capacity. Our numbers are going from like 80 to 160 on a Friday morning. This is in a conservative Muslim country. And we're just filled with gratitude and hope for what God is going to do. I'm tired a lot because there's a lot to get done and transitions are hard. Um, and at this time, our teammates, Blaine and Kelly, 
Uh, he was on a particular kind of visa that meant he was going to have to cancel it, come back to the United States, reapply, and in two weeks' time, two weeks, get a new visa, back to Kuwait. Wash, rinse, ready to go. Um, two weeks, turned four weeks, four weeks, six weeks, turned to two months. Until finally, we I don't know if this is going to happen. See, because in Kuwait, you may have no idea the person behind the scenes who can pull the string or not pull the string whenever they want to. And for whatever reason, this string was just not getting pulled. And so now the people that we had partnered with for the last two years, and finally, after years of waiting, were able to do ministry together for three months, they can't come back. Not only because he has visa issues, but his wife has a couple of issues with her back and a passport that's not great. And so now we are staring down the idea of being fresh, new, energized for the work, kind of getting our way, feeling things, and our teammates are not coming back. And that's hard. We have a church who loves us. We have a church who's gathering around us, but it's, it's decentering. It destabilizes things in a world, in a time, in a place when you're just craving for stability and consistency, some things to be known. That's not what we had. And yet the Lord was continuing to be faithful to his church, to his word, to the gospel. He was faithful in all those things. And people are coming to Christ. People are growing in their walk. The thing that I hear the most when people come to Redeemer Fellowship of Kuwait, first week, third week, if they're coming in for membership, is we are so glad, we are so grateful to finally have found a church that is biblically faithful, that preaches the word week in and week out. We have a, we have a, a, a couple in our church who have been in Kuwait for 20 years, have gone to various churches, most of the options out there. He literally said to me a few months ago, I can't tell you how refreshing it is to walk into a church and know that you're not going to have to just have some whiplash over what might be said from the pulpit. It's not going to be crazy. It's not going to be heresy. It's going to be straight from the Bible. You have no idea how refreshing it is for 20 years to finally have that. And so that's what we do week in and week out. We just walk through a passage of scripture, look at the text, see what the Lord says, see how it applies to our lives. We started in the book of John, work through that whole thing for over a year and it was beautiful and it was life-giving and it was glorious. We work through the book or the letter to the Colossians talking about the glories of Christ putting on the new self, taking off the old self, loving each other well, being filled with gratitude. And now we're jumping into the book of Exodus, talking about the Lord gathering for himself a people. Friday morning, I had the opportunity and the pleasure to preach through Exodus chapter four, which is awesome and a bit crazy and weird. And we walk through it and we talk through it and it's fine. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go read Exodus four, particularly verses 18 through 31. Might jolt you a little bit, but we're there and we talk through it and it's great. And the church is edified and God is glorified and the church is growing. And it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. And I have like two or three hours more to talk through, but the caffeine is going to wear off sooner or later. And that's just a snippet. Uh, we do a monthly newsletter about maybe once a month. 
Uh, if you'd like to hear more about what we're doing, if you'd like to get together for coffee this week to see what we're doing, we're, we're happy to do that if we can. Things are a little tight right now. Uh, but if you want to hear more, just let me know. If you want to be on that newsletter, let me know. We'll get you signed up for that. Um, just so you know, we're so grateful for you all. I have literally um, had to hold back. I mean, you can tell. I'm holding back right now because Darian is right there trying not to cry. Um, and I am too. It's, the familiar faces right now are really getting to me. I have missed you all. Love you all and are so grateful uh, for the way that you all have partnered with us over these years. So just know that. Um, let me close my portion with prayer um, just so um, we can let the Lord know how grateful we are to him as well. Will you pray with me? King Jesus, we love you. Not as we should and not as you deserve, but we love you all the same because you have so lavishly and gloriously poured out your love to us through Christ Jesus. Uh, we ask that you continue to do the good work in us by the power of your spirit. We ask that you would grow in us and cultivate love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Father, we ask that as we gather together as a community, that men and women would be drawn to you by the power of your spirit, that they might have their lives enlivened to the gospel, that they might see grace as a gift. They might see the work of Christ done on their behalf. Father, I ask that you would bless one hope that they would be biblically sound, that they would be gospel-centered, that they would glory in the work of Christ and in him alone, that they would gather together for Christ's sake. Father, I ask that as they do that, that your name would be lifted up, that men and women would be drawn to you. Father, I ask that during the remainder of our time together, that as we talk, as we sing, as we take communion, that your name would be glorified and that we would be edified. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.